You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is On Principles, Challenges in Jewish Education, and I'm very happy to welcome back our semi-regular companion on this journey, Rabbi John Kroll of Salanter, Akiva, Riverdale, a high school in the Bronx. Um, John, it's been a long time, and a lot of things have gone, a lot of water has gone under the bridge since last we spoke. We had Maron. We also had the uh, the, the bombings from Gaza. Um, we've had other sorts of uh, anti-Semitic incidents. Some of them actually uh, from Riverdale itself. There was uh, there's a, a number of things happening in Riverdale, um, and I know that uh, you talked to me about uh, your your excitement the last time we spoke about the graduation and looking forward for. COVID to be in the rear mirror. So I want to go with you with COVID in the rear mirror and talk to you about where you where where we're going. Because uh, now that it looks like we have exited, tell me about some of your educational thoughts about where to come. And I know that, I, again, I, I know that we could probably talk about politics and other things, but I really want to get to the heart of where you live and what this program is supposed to be about, which is education. Okay. And go ahead. I'll say a couple of things. First of all, I'll tell you one thing that I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about. I just want to say it. And then I'll give you the thing I'd like to talk about a little bit more in depth. The thing I want to just put out there is something that I think that has been um, a lesson learned and something that I think seems to me that most of my colleagues in across the uh, country seem to have learned a similar lesson, which is we have a tremendous amount of Hakara Satov to the um, data technicians and the programmers, and the coders who built Zoom. But we want to give a Hekara Satov and also a Seischem Shalom. There is very little appetite to use, to use Zoom in a kind of like, you know, a significant concerted sort of way going forward, unless it's absolutely necessary. I think one of the things <laughs> we were curious about when the pandemic had begun and we really pivoted to Zoom and it was fantastic was the extent to which this was going to be uh, a regular part of our school day. And the answer is, I think going forward, it's not going to be a part of our school day at all once things are back to normal with our regular kids. The thing that's interesting though, that I think is worth considering, again, this is not the thing I really want to talk about today, but I think this is important to state that I think it's interesting to think about using Zoom to provide um, kind of an education to people who might be outside of a typical larger metropolitan area that has access to like, you know, a higher level Torah learning. I think that that's something that Zoom has now opened up certain, you know, you know, uh, avenues for. And I think that there's, you're going to see schools uh, kind of opening their Zoom doors to um, those who are less fortunate or not as close can't access schools in person. That's like thing number one. I thought it's worth mentioning. And you know, I know you don't want to talk to it, but but as you yeah. know, I am sort of I am not uh, a couch potato uh, interviewer. <laughs> so I've got to, I've got. I just want to. Uh, sure. 
I, I, what I want to respond to that is, first of all, as you know, uh, uh, when the pandemic hit, um, I went into uh, podcast mode. I, we upped our game. And I actually spoke with many, many educators like yourself about Zoom. And I might have even spoken to you about it, I think, often. One of the things that uh, I spoke about Zoom with, with my colleague, uh, Rabbi Bechafer, the Sarah Torah himself, was, uh, and, and he admitted that in this new uh, world, students who had been underserviced in the past started to shine. And I think you might remember that episode where Bechafer, sure. Bechafer, the mea culpa of Bechafer, where there was a student that he had, had, had thought was just a troublemaker, took take this kid out of the classroom, uh, put it in a sort of a Zoom way, some of these kids could shine. So in that way, I would say that perhaps you should keep it on the shelf ready and wonder that if you do have a student who's disruptive, you do have a student who is just a class clown, a student who doesn't seem to make it, maybe such a student, a Zoom uh, involvement might actually be better, right? That that could be. It's entirely possible. I think that what we've learned is that there was, you know, for all of the bad press that New York City um, Teachers Union got for being really reluctant about going into the classroom and not having in-person class for much of the school year, there was one thing that I had originally scoffed at, which I think they got right, which is they had New York City um, Teachers Union had rejected the possibility of having teachers teach hybrid classes. In other words, where I have 20 kids in my classroom in front of me and five kids on Zoom in all in the same class. In the New York City public school system, you were either in a class that was all meeting on Zoom or a class that was um, all present. I've noticed that it is, you know, even the most adept, uh, most incredible, technologically savvy, multitasking types of teachers, um, it's really, really hard to teach kids who are both at home and in front of you at the same time. And I think everybody suffers from it. I think kids who are on Zoom, and the teacher's focusing on them, it can be really good, but not in a hybrid way. And I think that it's, you know, unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, what I'm doing, you know, in my teaching now, which is mm-hmm. mostly adult education. So I'm doing a lot of, I am doing hybrid for the last couple of months. And I have noticed a, a, a what I would say is a somewhat of a diminution of what I was able to do from in person. And, you know, we say in Yiddish, nishtahir, nishtahir, yeah. which means you're neither, you're not here or there. And I think that's sort of what happens. Um, it, 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 again, with adults, I think it's probably an easier thing to do. One of the things I think that, that um, and we're going to get to the real meat of what we want to talk about in a second. But one of the things I think that um, uh, Zoom uh, lends itself to so naturally is the screen share and the idea of the teacher um, disappearing and letting the text uh, teach and letting what the teacher wants. It's very hard, even with the great, uh, and, and I was pretty adept at the smart board, despite um, you know, uh, any other sort of handicaps uh, you might have thought in terms of my fonting and speaking in the grit. But I knew how to, I knew how to handle the smart board okay, I think it's it's not the same when you actually are a smart board. You know what I'm saying? When you and I think there is something about yeah. uh, and and I think you're right. When I'm teaching in front of me and everyone else has the text and a number of these other students, 
I can't screen share and 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 include everyone in the same way. Yes. So I so I I think you're correct. There there is a um, it is difficult. The other thing I would say is another topic that we once spoke about, and it's it's something that's really dear to my heart because I guess you know I live in a in a community which is not. Uh, uh, as they used to say in Yiddish, the the people who lived in the high towered uh, people who live like in 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 uh, the in the anchors and beyond, mm. um, people who and we've spoken about this on this program, the Zoom option could allow, as you say, not just a student from Des Moines, but even students who really perhaps can't afford uh, things, uh, an option, and maybe even SAR or one of those good schools could actually hire somebody to be the Zoom teacher for people who pay a reduced uh, tuition, but yeah. still get aspects of the SAR. Yeah, uh, I think, I think that's great. Good. Let me say it, the SAR grand conversation. There you go. I think, uh, <laughs> I think that there's, I think that there's a lot of potential there. This, I mean, we're, I'm in kind of early stages actually in conversation with, um, you know, um, some schools outside of the New York metropolitan area um, that have um, kind of like struggling or smaller or weaker Judaic studies staff and have a difficulty kind of attracting Judaic studies staff who might want to um, kind of like join, um, join our school for some of their Judaic studies. If I can have some kind of hybrid in which I'll have a class that meets like, you know, uh, a few kids from another school will join together for a Tanakh class or a. Well, so, it, it definitely sounds interesting, but I know John that that you know one of the things that we talked about, even I talked about it with you. I've talked about it with Belchop for others, is post COVID. How yeah. are we going to be different? And I well, know. You, so we, tell me, tell me how COVID has shaped your intellectual uh, reaction towards yeah, so take, teaching. I'll give you one example of something we, you know, we were very concerned with um, kind of like rising levels of anxiety um, and sort of like, you know, uh, emotional um, kind of like, you know, angst and challenges that, that it's, kids would have during the whole period of time of COVID. So we tried to do a couple of things this year that would alleviate some of that stress. Some things included, we kind of truncated the, uh, some, of the some of the teaching time and got out, had an earlier dismissal than usual. Um, that allowed for a little more of a kind of breathing space in kids' lives. We actually are adopting that for next year. Um, we're ending classes instead of the, what was the typical 510 every day. Um, we're ending classes next year at 435 every day, giving a little bit less time, a little bit more time off. That's one thing. Another thing we did this year was also to kind of alleviate stress is that we're you know, te- in a competitive environment like ours, um, you know, tests uh, play a prominent like role in the life of kids. Kids study for tests. They care about the tests. They're competitive. They, it does kind of, you know, like they push them to, I think, prepare and learn and study and view and all that. But it also creates a lot of uh, competition and anxiety in ways that are not great. We tried an experiment this year. Instead of having the regular allotted three tests for underclassmen and four tests for upperclassmen each week. We made it two tests across the board um, scheduled each week. And um, we found that it did not inhibit or decrease learning. 
and it increased kind of like mental well-being and lowered anxiety. And we're kind of continue, we are continuing that plan for next year. As we were thinking about that, though, we also started thinking about the whole nature of testing and assessments in general, as we were sort of like looking at the toolkit of things that we do. And we sort of asked ourselves a question, which was, why is it that we test kids in ways that are timed in ways that we actually are testing kids, not just on what they know, but on how quickly they can tell us what they know. And we realized, I mean, the reason why we do that, there's a lot of research that's out there about the primarily reason why we do it is because you got to run a school that's logistically, uh, you know, operational. You have a 40 minute period and you have to take a test in 40 minutes because the kids got to go to the next class so that they don't miss what they're learning in the next class. So you have, so you're not done with the test. It's too bad. You got to finish because you got to go to the next class. You got to move. So that's a logistical reason that actually makes sense, but it certainly doesn't make sense in terms of if you're thinking about, you know, what's the best way to learn. If a kid tells me, if I'm taking a kid in Gemara and the kid says, Rebbe, I just need five more minutes. I know the answer to these last two questions. It would, if I, if I, would, I would feel like a terrible person if I were to say to him, I'm sorry, time is up. You're not allowed to tell me the two answers. But Rebbe, I know the answers. I want to tell you that I understand the, the shot in the Gemara. I'm sorry, time's up. It would be unfair for you to have more time. I mean, that, that's kind of the way that schools often operate. One second. Both of us have been in that position. Yeah. Both of us have been there. And in fact, when you said it, I, 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 memories of that happening to me happened often. And I'm sure it's happened to you. You've been in this business almost yes. as, not as long as me, but you've been there long. What, if, what did you answer when the kid said that? I almost always would say like, um, let's figure it out there. Follow me. And uh, we'll, uh, I, I couldn't have the, maybe I was right. Maybe I was wrong. I don't know. I would never have the heart to say to a kid, I'm sorry. You want to, you know, the answer. Um, but you can't now again, that's, I would say that if it took him another minute, but if a kid were to say to me, I only need another half hour at some point that I think I'd say as okay. a teacher, that seems like too much. I can't let okay. you miss the next uh, break. Right. And you know that what happens is, and the principals get your, get your throat for this. If you give the kid extra time, yeah. and the kid comes in late to the other class. Yeah. So the next teacher is complaining to the principal yes. about you for getting the kid, giving the kid Correct. extra time. Correct. That's a problem. So what we did was here's our plan for next year. I think which it should be really interesting. We did a lot of, Again, I did a lot of research on this, talked to a lot of other schools that tried to do similar things. And I think if we pull this off next year, it can be a real game changer. I hope it to be a something that might be a um, kind of something that other schools might copy. And I think it can, make, it can make a difference in a lot of kids' lives. Here's the idea. What we've done is I said there's two tests a week. So the what we're setting up in our schedule is that there are two, you know, this is a little perhaps a little bit deep in the in the weeds, but I think you'll get this and hopefully some of the listeners will understand what I'm talking about. Usually when you have your biology test or your math test or your Gemara test, whatever it is, you take it during the period of the day that is allotted as your biology class, your Gemara class, or your math class. We're not doing that next year in ninth and 10th grade. We're rolling this out. What are we doing? There are two periods per week 
that are designated as the generic test periods. Okay, so if the Gemara and math tests are that week, then they take place during those, t- those two periods. If it's biology and history, they take place in those two periods, here's the chap, those two periods meet, let's say one of them is on a Monday and one of them is on a Wednesday, they meet the period before lunch. So if a student wants to take, you know, we have 40 minute period, kids eat lunch in 10, 15 minutes. Kid wants to take as much time as they want to take the test. They can extend through lunch period. If they need the entire period, we'll let them have a little more time to eat lunch afterwards. So basically it would be not be particularly disruptive um, to the, to the next period of classes because they'll be missing essentially half of their lunch period if they want to take extra time. Um, this also obviates uh, a, like a, the, the entire process by which kids need to kind of get approval for extended time on tests. Essentially what we're saying is you come to our school, we don't, our tests are flexibly timed. Everybody has the opportunity to take extended time. You don't need to prove to us that is, you have wait, your wait, in other words, which has it has a stigma to it to to well, be an extended time person. Listen, it has a stigma to it, and it also has a you know a gold star to it at the same time because you want to. Everybody wants extended time, particularly in a competitive environment, because if you are able to prove to College Board or to ACT that you get extended time, you you have the psycho ed evaluation in your school recognizes you as having a pattern of needing extended time and you can get extended time to take your ACT or SAT. And it does not, you know, for the past, I don't know how long it's been, 10, 12 years or so, it may be even longer than that. There's no longer a, an indication on your test that you got extended time because it's considered to be, you know, a violation of the, you know, American with Disabilities Act to indicate that somebody, you know, so, used yes, and 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 I do a lot of SAT monitoring, so I, yeah. I am aware of the extended time. Yeah, uh, so this, that's some, so people. Tell me, to... John. Let me let me just get this straight. Yeah. Um, um, so a student will be given the typical forty minutes, but he could extend it to eighty. Is yeah, that what it's about okay. So yeah. basically, every test is a every student has a possibility of taking it in eighty minutes. Yeah, I mean, and currently. In our school, there's a percentage, maybe it's about a third, maybe a little like a quarter of our, our students do have um, the who have the official designation of of kind of being allotted extended time due to their having gotten a psychoed evaluation and they've met certain criteria. So those kids usually get 50% extended time. Some of them take the full amount, some of them don't use it at all. But this is just a way of taking a little we taking the edge off of the pressure. I have it, you know, we experiment. We piloted it a little bit this year in a math class and a Gemara class and some tests. And kids reported that they didn't really need, use much of this extended time at all, if if at all. But it was the knowledge of having the yeah. extended time which changed them. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry for stealing your thunder. Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, but you know, there's always going since you're going down this path for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to argue on two sides. One sure. side, you have a student who, and we talk about what is it that you want from a student? What is it? Now, you said before, tests need to be a certain amount of time in order for the school to be running properly. But the purpose of tests, of course, is to provide data. 
right? You need data not only to tell the teacher how well he's doing and where the student is advancing. You also need the data to justify the grade that leads to matriculation and for the record, right? So you need data, right? Now, as much as the anecdotals are wonderfully uh, written, beautiful essays about uh, the person, they don't really replace the, the, the raw data. So data or data, whichever one you're going to say, is definitely going to be diminished by less testing, right? And I know that when I was in a school, my students, and maybe it was even an SAR, though I don't remember, uh, many of them wanted, what I came up with was a daily feedback with a number that they could check on uh, on whatever it was, whether it was Moodle or some other sort of uh, other sort of uh, program, but right. So if if you are going to downplay the tests, how what are you going to replace That's in a order good question. to get data? Good okay. question. That's one question. Let me tell you my other question from the other side, and you can answer them both. The other question is is that you're correct. In many ways, a good test taker is has a certain type of intelligence, a certain type of brilliance, perhaps, a certain type of capacity to think practically, to get everything done within 40 minutes. And maybe that is a certain type of stellar human being that we want in certain positions that needs that. But if there's going to be a person, as you say, that it doesn't, that it really has an intelligence beyond, and that the test doesn't really bring that out, the person might say, I hate tests because I hate the pressure, but I know this and I can have a conversation with my teacher and explain it. But once you put a paper in front of me and ask me, I am so, I get such conniptions out of tests. That student, even if you give him extra time, what he produces, he or she produces, is not an indicator of, the, of their intelligence or what they can contribute. So even though you're giving more time, in a way, the, the anxiety of having the pressure of writing it down and figuring out which one of the three or four multiple choice answers is right is still playing havoc with this guy's or yeah. this gal's. I agree. No, you're right. You're, you're right. I'll, I'll do the second question first and the first question. I think you're right about that. It doesn't solve all anxiety that one could have. But, you know, I remember, listen, I, I, I was very, uh, after we discussed this idea in school, somebody sent me a, a wonderful podcast by Malcolm Gladwell, where he talked about the, you know, the history of um, the LSATs and the, how LSATs measure how quickly one can take tests and how that allows you know, certain scores and LSATs get people into elite law schools and how, you know, and he questions whether quickness of answering, uh, you know, kind of brain teaser sorts of questions, whether that correlates with, you know, kind of like excellence in practicing law. That's a question, a really interesting podcast, you know, that I think is worth listening to. One of the points yeah, he yeah, makes- I, I'll tell you, his content has to be interesting because he has a very grating voice. Gladwell. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. That's yes. right. Yes. It's like um, me. It's like it's listen. The only reason people can take Beckhoffer and myself is because of the soothing tones that I use. Yes, your soothing tones. Again, I I love I love the Sarhatayr undoubtedly. Right, but could could you explain? Can, you couldn't stand Sarah hearing Tayyar's, him if if you to hear him for forty minutes is like uh, nails on the nails, nails on the blackboard. The Sarhatayr does not have a radio <laughs> voice. 
He's better at the, you know, kind of voicing it in Eshtas or in, uh, or in the Big Day Sheish, perhaps. Than, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, but Malcolm Gladwell also, in a way. Yes, yes. Malcolm Gladwell, but, so you're right. When his content is good, it's got to be real. Yes. Well, well, here's the interesting thing. He, one, of the, one of his lines he points out in this podcast, he says that, you know, isn't the lesson of the fable of the tortoise and the hare that the tortoise wins the race? In other words... Like we're, that like doing things really fast is something we're trying to encourage or put on a pedestal. Well, like that's know, actually like we, if any, his, his argument was a, a legal mind should be somebody who is slower, more deliberate, very careful. We'll go back and like edit, review, reflect on. And, and like, I you know, I'm, John, John, you know, I know, I, I know that uh, you know. You've, I hope you're still holding in Dafyomi. When we get to Masechtas Haroyos, you'll come to the last Daf, and you'll see that the Gemara has a Shiloh. What's better, Chorif Umaksha or yeah. Masoin Umasik? Right. Masoin Umasik is really what Gladwell is yeah. describing. Now, let me again be Medayik from the Gemara. It's not just an alliteration, Masik. In other words, you get to yeah. the Maskana because of Masinus. Yeah. A person with a person who's Chorif many times is so enamored with his brilliance that mm-hmm. he bribes schwer. You know what I'm saying? Chorif umaksha, right? Yeah. Whereas a, a mosin is masin. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So so you're correct. So therefore the tests really the tests really are better for the chorif. Yeah. And like we've we've sort of like, you know, again, it's important to like kind of take a step back and like challenge some assumptions that the system has been sort of like feeding us for since time immemorial. I'm like, what, what in the world are we doing? Who cares? Who so, really so, cares? So why can't the, 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 first of all, obviously, you know, especially high school kids, you're going to have a, a, a great swath of different types of intelligence, like in all people, but especially kids that are primed, like in your school, isn't it possible for those kids, I'm just going to suggest something here and you can you run with it or not. Isn't it possible that those Masa kids could, could have a different way, a conversation with you or Tully or somebody with which they can yeah, for sure. make a, in other words, instead of, instead of having to go through the test, they, they can discuss the Gemara yeah. and that, and that can be graded uh, with, with a precision. And I think, yeah, I think people, I think people do that. I, I, I'll tell you, it's interesting you say it like that. I, I mentioned that there are some situations in which um, a timed test actually is important one of them is like we talked about is if you're having like an oral beginner and reading the like that's like a performative thing i couldn't if a kid if i i if i'm testing a kid's fluency in reading in a daf of gemara i don't want him to read it slowly and go back and figure out like there are that's like an example something where it actually makes sense to read something quickly and to uh be timed on, okay. but you're right. There are different ways you can test kids and different uh, their their strengths and their their styles of learning for sure. And, and I think what what behooves the teacher to do is to be careful. And I think SAR and other schools are very sensitive about this. I'm not stigmatizing the kid who isn't taking the multiple choice 35 question test, but is rather engaging in a, a conversation uh, that is pretty intense. Where yeah. they need to explain things. Now again, I don't know how you're going to work it. Now, what about the data issue? How are you going yeah. to? 
So what are you so, going to do about the data, data? Now, listen, there's, there's, there are... Um, Somehow I'm thinking about the, the android from, uh, from Star Trek. I don't know. Yes, they, yes. yes, yes. Um, data. Yes, so how are you, how you going to deal with data? There are two answers to the question, I think. One of them is that um, like having, you know, if I have six tests a year or three tests a semester instead of five tests a semester... I mean, like, is that like much less data? I get a much, I have a worse sense of like whether I can justify a kid's grade on that. I don't think so. That's A. B is that one of the things that this has offered us the opportunity to do is to also think about other kinds of like assignments and work to give kids. They can show us what they know. It doesn't only have to be the pencil and paper test just sitting down at a time thing. So the kid wants to... The kid wants to, you know, like I, I've done, you know, this year, if I have a kid who wants to, you know, record himself reading the Gemara to me and explaining it on his own time, it's not attested. That's like something I can, okay. skill, he can show me that I, I can get data that's not only time tests. Okay, but here's the thing, John. The yeah. data, when the data is tied, even though it's tied to a, uh, a, a piece of paper that you've decided to mark this correct, you have that buffer where you could say, look, here, look at this answer. You got this wrong. As opposed to, well, look, I didn't like your project. You were supposed to do a no, project. You're, you're you right. were, that's why you have to set, that's why you have to set certain parameters. And, which, are, which are difficult. That's why testing which are, is. Which are difficult. Like, for example, if I, give, if I give a reading, if I give a bechina to this guy to read the Gemara, so I let the kids know in advance. I don't just tell them like, yeah, you read it well, or you read it poorly. I, I'll say things like, I'll let them know. There are four categories. I want here, pronunciation, translation, um, you know, um, uh, punctuation, and like, you know, uh, proper enunciating. You know, those, and how many, those are the four things I want you to like kind of focus on. And like, depending on how many mistakes you make in each of those categories, I'll give you, a, you know, I'll, 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 I'll give that data. And then you have to point to a number, and then that yeah, number... You point to a number, and listen, there's like, yeah, you point to a number. You point to a number there, and I'm like, you know, and, and perhaps it gives off the impression of that being some kind of objective criteria, uh, which I am skeptical of that it's... Right, like, but but unless that illusion exists, you're never going to hear the end of it, because yeah. the kids and her, their parents will use that. So you really need that. There might come a time when it's all the Elysian fields and everybody is not really zeroing in on the college they're going to go to and and the the number of their uh, GPA score. But until that time occurs, you're going to to be able at the end of the day, you know, one of one of the questions that haunts and all you know, mechanchim in chutzlaaretz in schools like you know the modern Orthodox yeshiva high schools, is why is it that so many of our talmidim who are not that motivated and don't love their learning go to yeshivas in Israel after graduation and become very enamored of Talmud Torah and like really like like will spend hours learning and will grow you know, quantum leaps over what they did in high school. So there's a lot of different reasons to it. One of them is because, um, and they're not taking any tests in their yeshivas in Israel. There's no homework. There's not, 
stress, you know, is that, are they doing well despite the fact that there are no tests or because there are no tests? Now, again, it's a complicated thing. You can't compare apples and oranges here. You know, there's the fact of the matter is that in schools like ours, that there are, um, you know, college does play an outsized role because the kids are want to get into, you know, competitive colleges and they want to have good grades and they want to have good grades, both in their general studies and the, the Lamude Kodesh. And when you get to Eretz Yisrael, you don't have to, you're not thinking about that at all. Um, so that, again, that's a, that's a piece of it. But, you know, we, I, I wonder whether, you know, I, again, I, I speculate here on a muse as to whether or not we're victims of this uh, game that we're playing here. And then we have to be victims of the game, right? Maybe, I, maybe we have to take a little more control and, uh, you know, change the, change the rules of the game, at least as far as the Mude Kodesh go. Well, what you're really asking me to suggest is something like the type of high school that I went to, which was basically, and again, you know, you, you, you know, we didn't need the gap year in Eretz Yisrael to, to, to say Chaburis and learning. And the reason was because we started the day with an hour and a half or an hour, a half of a Seder and an hour of a Shear, right? And then an hour, uh, 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 an hour and a half of Chazara. And SAR, of course, like all modern high schools, uh, you, 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 you might have a little preparation time. Right. You might have a you double, got, you, you, you have a double period. I think a double period is the most. Not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time. That's right. Were, were, you, were you doing that? Was that on Mount Wilson Lane you were doing that? Was that what that was taking place? I was riding down the train, down to Mount Wilson Lane. Now, to the again, yeah, for all your, yeah, it's interesting to hear. That's your, Nurk, your very, Nurk, Nurk Junction. That's what I called it. You said you're very nos- yeah, your, your nostalgic look at that time is that uh, I contrast it with the way you describe it sometimes on your on the Rizla show. Yes, I definitely describe because in ways it was the most horrible, nightmarish place in the world. On the other hand, mm-hmm. it was a place that you needed to know how to learn. It was yeah. a place, it was a place that 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 was meant to produce Talmud Chachamim. Mm-hmm. Um, it produces a, it produced a lot of bastards too, and mm-hmm. it was and it was taught by bastards sometimes, mm-hmm. but 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 it was it was basically sinking you into learning, right. and that is something which yeah w- which which can't really be done yeah, in your school or in Frisch yeah. or any of those schools. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. It, 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 that's what I think they're experiencing, and they're not. And I, I think there's another thing too. Yeah. And uh, maybe we can end with this. And, and sure. you know, I, we talk about, um, you know, the one room school room, you know, the one room school marm, Armis Brooks, which is a famous uh, 1950s television program, uh, or Goodbye, Mr. Chips. All of those things are about the basic idea of the Rebbe. Uh, one of the things, and you, you, we're not talking about the guy who comes into Shreyo Meshim in the afternoon. One of the things that, that SAR and other schools uh, are going to suffer from is despite the fact that I think the Gemara, it's a double period, but there's also all these other influences. There's these yeah. other messages. One of the reasons when you, when you go to yeshiva, you have a Rebbe. And, and basically you, you are trying to figure out who he is. And it's of course, more than just the brilliance of his ideas, but it's also his attitude, his manner, his demeanor. And it's not just because he can, you know, decide to get dressed up like a Meshuggah at a, at a Masiba and, and pretend he's Mick Jagger. That's not really what it's about. What it's really about is, 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 is connecting from A to Z. 
in, in a complete way, whether it's inviting to your house, whether it's also a, a mahalachan learning. And I think that's something which, unfortunately, your schools will always be hindered by. Yeah, um, it's things like that where we may not get no satisfaction when <laughs> managing that kind of environment. That, that's true. But again, you know, I, I think... You know, I have to applaud you, though, because you are somebody and, 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 and your teachers, although I don't know them, but I know you're filling them up with all members of your family very quickly. But I but all of them, you know, at least have a certain appreciation for the yeshiva mentality. And I think that, you know, without saying, oh, it's a bunch of yeshiva guys teaching in the modern schools, you're talking about modern fellows who have a love for the yeshiva uh, uh, method, and I think if you have that, I think you're. I think that's going to be able to be distilled. And I think even more than that, I think that you'd be able. Enough of you guys can even distill that sort of attitude in the secular studies department as well, because I mean, th there could be that sense of chavrusa, chabura, and uh, as we say, part of that great, great, grand conversation. So that's it, my friends, for this week. Thanks again. John Crow, or by Jonathan Crow himself from SAR. We're going to catch you again, and you'll let us know sometime during the summer how things are going. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.